everyone, welcome back to the I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now podcast, where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime, natural disasters, and everything else in between. How's it going, Michelle? It's going well. Yeah. It's going well. That yeah. is going well. I don't know what else to say. We've been chatting, and it's been ups and downs. It has been ups and downs. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh. Just like that. Yeah. That's how it went. Yeah. It was happy, then it was sad, and... And then we, we had are. five farms. Yes, then we had five farms. <laughs> and there oh, we go. Once again, fuck you five farms, because your Irish cream is so delicious. Now it's like out at our liquor store every what? single time I go. Oh my goodness. I know. I like to say that we had... Uh, A little something to do with it? Maybe, but... <laughs> Probably not. At least my dad, he's like, yeah, that stuff is great. He always has some, so... Well, I hope so. I know, it's every time I have some in the house, yeah. it ends up being gone because mm. I just have little sippers of it at yeah. night. You know, you take oh, a little shot night? glass and you play a little video games and all of a sudden you've had four shots. You don't know what <laughs> happened. I'm sorry. That sounds like a good night. It, yeah, it's good times. <laughs> well, Michelle, uh, you actually invented this drink. You were inspired by one drink, but you totally made it yourself. Yes, we so. kind of, it morphed along the way due to necessity perhaps, but <laughs> yeah. it ended up being pretty good. Well, I made some rose syrup, mm. and so how to do that is it's like a cup of sugar, a cup of water, which makes your simple syrup, and then once that's all cooked up, you let it boil for like one second, you turn it off. Once it's cooled, you add a little rose water to it, mm-hmm. so it's a tablespoon of that, and that sort of becomes the base. So we have our rose syrup that mm-hmm. we've made, and so you put uh, what I did. Okay, so this made three drinks. Uh-huh. So I put four ounces of gin Uh to two ounces of this rose syrup that we made. Okay. You mix that up in a shaker over ice, and then you pour it over ice, and in your glass you've got rose petals and mint leaves that you Mm -hmm. sort of maybe muddled up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then you put, you fill up your glass like halfway with your gin-rose mixture, and then you top it with Sprite, boom. You have this like floral, refreshing pretty drink yeah and we call it uh oh the pretty rose that's right after michelle pretty cute (laughs) it's very handy having a last name like that i know right it's great pretty and wise like i know (laughs) hey oh my god uh no i what is your drink gonna be the wise something Ooh. Ooh. i feel like it's gotta have like i don't know Whiskey or whiskey? I hate whiskey. I know. Not whiskey. I don't know why. It's got to have some sort of like whatever wise. Punch in the face or no? Yeah. Well, what's wise? I don't know. I was thinking I can just see something that's like like a darkened, a darkened moody or whatever those, what are the? Darkened stormies. Darkened stormy. Darkened moody. That's (laughs) that's fair. That is Kayla. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah. No, we'll have to think about it. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. But this drink, I feel, I do feel pretty, like, drinking it. Like, I feel high class and, like you said, you said it'd be good for, like, a a bridal shower. Yeah, exactly. If you need a pretty drink that just makes you feel pretty when Mm -hmm. you drink it, this is it. Uh, Refreshing. It's very light. It's very beautiful. And, ugh, I wish I wore makeup today. (laughs) exactly right i did i don't know about you i sure didn't yeah i popped some eyeliner on just for you Kayla. thank you thank you all right should we go into should it should we jump in yeah all right all right so this story is about joseph samuels so 
I'm taking us way back. Way, way back. So I'm taking us to 1795. <laughs> <laughs> I did nail it. I'm so sorry. That was good. Oh, it's uh, just like Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be our new thing if we ever guess each other's story. Yeah, that's it's right. Gonna be... No, Michelle did guess my story, so... Yeah, she said she was doing a recurrence of something that we had told a long, long time ago. Yeah, like episode three, I think. Uh, I think this was one of my very mm-hmm. favorite ones. Mm-hmm. And as I said in that one, I'll say again, we're kicking it old school. That's right. So we're it's 1795 in England, and Joseph is 15 years old, and okay. he is arrested for larceny. What? So he was actually sentenced to seven years at 15 years old. <laughs> I want to know what he stole. It was probably like Didn't an say. apple or a probably. loaf of bread like Aladdin yeah. did. <laughs> Uh, so in 1801, they shipped him to Australia. Australia had a penal colony at Sydney Cove, and security in these early penal col- uh, settlements were reinforced by the isolation of the colonies, and guards trusted the Australian wilderness to kill anyone who tried to escape. Because mm, Yes, that sounds right. I do <laughs> yeah. think the Australian wilderness would probably kill anyone who tried yeah, to escape. Absolutely. If it's not a giant bug that landed on them, it's probably a poisonous snake or some awful thing in the water. Or even a kangaroo, man. Those things look muscular. They do. And yeah. they look like they can straight up punch you in the face. Yeah. I think I saw two kangaroos boxing one time. <laughs> oh, okay. In person? No. Oh. It was a video. <laughs> no, Are you kidding me? <laughs> That would have been the first thing I was talking about this episode. We're on Australia. I saw some uh, some kangaroos boxing once. But actually, Joseph did escape. Oh. And he escaped with a group of other men. And on night of August 26, 1803, so he was in Australia in 01, so now it's been two years. Okay. Joseph and the other men actually robbed Mrs. Mary Breeze. Mrs. Mary Breeze. Yeah. Okay. So they stole 24 guineas, which we looked up, which is like gold coins. And hopefully we're saying it right, but if we're not. Whatever. Sorry, Australians. Uh, well, it's the British money. S- sorry, British. <laughs> <laughs> uh, silver dollars and some other small change and also a desk. Oh. Random. Yeah. That is random. But Get the desk. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's weird. But an off-duty officer shows up while they're robbing them, and one of the men actually kills him. But they, oh. pre- yep, they proceed to rob the house, and then they leave. Okay. okay. Who's killed? I'm sorry. The, the off-duty officer. Officer was killed yes. by our gang of escaped prisonies. Correct. Yes. Okay. So the next day, the officer's body was found, and close to his body was the desk and a blood-stained wheel. What? The military was called in to investigate and search for the assassins. Witnesses Mm. said that they saw Joseph and another man named Isaac Simmons and a few other men at the end of Mrs. Breeze's garden the night before. Okay. Okay. So they've been seen. I see. Also searching the area, police finds a borrow without its wheel. Oh. Mm. Police go... Wait, so is the... Okay, no, continue on. Okay. I'm not going to ask any questions just yet. <laughs> so police go to where Joseph and Isaac were lodging, where they were maybe known to oh, be at. maybe they had been seen or... Yeah. Okay. And they found the wheel to the borrow 
with them. How bizarre. <laughs> it's so, like, what a random fact. What a strange robbery this was. <laughs> yeah. Get the money and the desk and I want that wheel. <laughs> I'm not leaving without that Leave wheel. Leave the rest, get the wheel. Yeah. Sorry, officer, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. I need that wheel. So That was maybe a little insensitive. I apologize. Well, they questioned the two men. But Joseph actually still had some stolen coins in his pockets. Mm. So he confessed to the robbery, but did not confess to the murder because he's like, that was not me. I, I don't know do who it. that was. Oh my God. I, Never mind. <laughs> Have you seen Keanu? Keanu. Oh no, I With, haven't. Oh my God. There's this whole part where he's like, thanks for helping me murder. And it's like, but I didn't help murder. But you did help murder. No, technically speaking, I didn't help murder. So anyway. Just like that. You may yeah. cut. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I wrapped up the whole movie for you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's like my favorite movie. Is you it? Should watch it? I should watch it. Don't try to do a survival story on it. <laughs> I won't. I'll know. Oh my gosh. What if I did though? You would and hate I didn't me. Know the yeah. whole time. You would hate me. Especially if you fucking nailed it. Yeah. Oh, you probably would too. So, so the other men were actually acquitted of the crime because there was lack of evidence. Um, Isaac Simmons even refused to confess to anything of any of the crimes. Like, not even the robbery, nothing. He's like, nah, not me. He ain't no snitch. Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything. So Joseph was convicted by the court and sentenced to be hung by the neck until death. Uh, So... What? questions i did it's gone from okay so <laughs> it is now september 26 1803 so they robbed it in august and now so he's being hung at the end of september i think really the moral of this story is don't confess <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah i mean sorry I continue on you're like thanks for that morally bankrupt <laughs> statement so Joseph is now 23 years old. So he's oh. being hung at such a... So this a, started when he was 15. Yeah. Okay. So Joseph and another man named James Hardwickle, Hardwick, uh, who was convicted of something else, they didn't say, mm. but they were brought to the gallows the same time uh, near the Brickfield Hill. Reverend Samuel Marsden and Joseph Marcus were the two to prepare the men for the noose. Mm. So the reverend, the reverend asked for a confession from the condemned men and also prayed with them as well. So these gallows were not like the elevated ones where they, like, you drop and they snap your neck. Okay. That was actually going to be a century later. Ahead. Yeah, a century later that that happens. Oh. So what they did is that these men so were tied to a tree and they were sitting on car standing on carts oh, and then I they see. had a horse with the cart. So they would hit the horse and the horse would like run and the bottom would essentially drop out from under them. Well, like the cart would leave and then so that way it didn't snap their neck and that way they slowly strangled to death. So it could take like... hours for them, depending. <sighs> oh my god! So that's ugh. so to ensure the strength in the rope, they used a rope that was made of five thick cords of hemp. Okay. So it's pretty thick. This rope would be able to hold around a thousand pounds without breaking. Okay. So these are you know strong rope. ropes. Yeah. Hashtag rope strong. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now before the men were 
put to death, they had a chance to make a final statement. Joseph proclaimed that he indeed commit the robbery, but the real murderer was standing in the crowd right <gasps> now. Was it Isaac? Is how he's like, it was him. Joseph identifies and points out Isaac Simmons standing in the crowd. He already prayed and was about to die, so why would he lie? Hmm. Mm. A lot of people in attendance seemed to believe him and even attempted to seize Isaac. Authorities quiet down the people and they move forward with the hanging. So they kind of like, no, okay, yeah. We're not going to listen to him. Right. Go for it. So as the horse moved away, the two men began to hang. But Joseph's rope broke, causing him to drop to the ground and sprain his ankle. As everyone's like, it's a miracle he didn't do it. Right. Another rope was quickly brought in, though. <laughs> like, no, no. Yeah. Again, he was all set up. Uh, the horse galloped away, but this time the rope unraveled, extending the rope enough to allow his boots to touch the ground. What? That's yeah. wild. I know. The crowd is now in a frenzy and demand Joseph to be released because this must be... Like this a must sign. mean, yeah, that he's innocent. Yeah. It was Isaac. Right? Just like he said. So the police are like, no. <laughs> and bring a third <laughs> noose in. Oh my gosh. This rope was thoroughly inspected. So maybe third time is a charm, I guess. <laughs> We're going to get this guy hung. This time, the rope broke. The third what? time. <laughs> And now people are uncontrollable. Yeah. The marshal ordered the execution to be delayed until they could find the governor. The governor came, and after examining the three ropes for tampering, he couldn't find any. Mm. So he actually agreed with the crowd and thought that this was a divine intervention and a sign from God. Isaac! Yeah. Joseph was pardoned and went to the town doctor to tend to his sprained ankle. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's... That's insanity. Right? I can't even imagine, like, the stress that his body has gone under, like, has gone through at this point. Where, you know, the adrenaline of almost being hung and then... Three times. Three times. Or hanged. I guess it's hanged. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'd be pissed if I was the other guy that rope didn't break. Yeah, he's probably just hanging there the whole time. And he's like, he gets to go and... Oh my gosh. That'd be, I'd be so pissed. Oh yeah. I'd be so mad. But Isaac Simmons was convicted of the murder of the policeman (laughs) and he was sentenced to hang, but his rope held up. Yo dang. Sorry, Isaac. It was you. It was. So, but unfortunately Joseph continued his life of crime. Oh no. And he continued to steal. He's like, ha ha ha, I got away with it again. I got out of prison. I got out of being hanged. Yeah. But he continued to steal and he was caught and he was put in prison. So in 1806, so... Not so that three, much longer. <laughs> three years after he was... His was hanging hang, yeah. situation. He escaped again with eight other convicts. They <sighs> stole a boat and were never seen again. It was assumed that they all drowned. Uh-uh. They're effing pirates now is what they are. Probably. <laughs> oh God. They did so, not drown. At the age of 26, he escaped again and tried to get away from Australia, I He guess? probably became, like, the richest man somewhere. Right? And, Maybe. Yeah. How crazy, right? <laughs> the fact that he escaped from prison twice. 
I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, back then, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, it sounded like the guard wasn't super well, know, strict yeah, with the wilderness the, and yeah. such. Yeah. You'll never live out there. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, good luck. Hey, bye. <laughs> so, that's crazy, though. Mm. Did you tell this story before? This story? Yeah. No. Oh, it was just similar to It was similar. Yes. It was a woman who... Before. Yes. That, but that was back in the 1700s too, wasn't it? Correct. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was also a good story. That was a very good story. This was a good one as well. Thank I you. thought it was going to be a, pl- a complete, like, retelling of the same oh, story. Oh, you can... I think it's still up on I our website. I think it's episode two is what Not it even... is. Oh, now it's I on. Now it's... we're going to see. Okay. Dun, dun. Okay. Episode three. Damn it! This is the news. So, episode three. That's like when we very first started the podcast. If you really want to listen to it, it's uh on our website. It's not anywhere else. So, it's pretty funny though. It is that is one of my favorites. Yeah. So, all right. So good. I mean, Joseph wasn't. He was innocent. Of I know. uh, I don't know if I want to say like good job, Joseph. That's true. That's very true. Because he did. He persevered. He's a criminal, but he was a criminal. Yeah. But he didn't kill people. No, that's true. Only Isaac killed people. Yeah, exactly. So. That's wild. Yeah. I bet he lived for some time. You think so? That is my, yes, that's what I think. I think he straight up became a pirate with those eight other dudes and they like wrecked the sea all around him. That'd be (sighs) kind of a cool story. I'm stealing more shit. I know, now I'm going to. I found this story on Blackbeard, who happened to head out at 1805. Could you imagine if that was hit? <laughs> oh my gosh. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. All right, Michelle. It is all you. It's my story time. It is. And all I'm excited because right. you said it was a, it's an interesting one. I know. Do we have time for like one more shot? Is sure. that bad? <laughs> yeah, you got nowhere to be. <laughs> all, all right. right. Quickie shot. Cheers. Uh, I love you five farms. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to take us back to 1985. Oh, okay. So this story is about Joe Simpson. Okay. And so at the time he was 25 years old. So these two gentlemen are the first people to scale the West Pace. Oh God. The West Face, excuse me, of the Sayula Grande I don't know what that is. I'm assuming it's a mountain that's very high up. Fair enough. And it's in the Peruvian Andes. Oh, okay. So we're mountain climbing is Beauty. what we're doing. Simon and Joe are two British climbers. And again, this is the first time anyone has gone up this particular side of this mountain. First time first ever? First time. First time ever. And so they get to the top. They're super triumphant. They're the first men to have ever done this particular climb. It's very exciting. But unfortunately, that triumph turned quickly to nightmare. Oh. So they start heading down. And about a third of the way down, Joe is thinking, don't fall here. Don't fall here. This is a a Hmm. especially treacherous part Mm -hmm. of the rock face. Simon was coming down along with him so there was some slack in the rope in between them and joe simpson puts his right axe into the mountain and then the ice just disintegrates (gasps) right underneath him oh no and so he falls through and he lands on the base of a cliff whoa so he just barely sort of makes it down 
But what ended up happening is, so he landed on his right leg uh-huh. and his right knee locked backwards. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, it okay. sounds terrible. And because of his crampons being sort of in the ice, just just so, it sort of maximized the force of the fall on his leg. Hmm. So what ended up happening is his tibia, which I think is down in your shin area, uh-huh. punched through <gasps> up into his femur, what? which is up in his thigh. Oh my gosh. So it kind of, it effed up his leg hard <laughs> is kind of the okay. bottom. It went through his uh, knee ew. and it totally destroyed his two menisci. Uh-huh. The cartilage in his knee it fractured his heel it fractured his ankle and there was like ligament damage and nerve damage through his whole leg holy cow he said the pain was excruciating i couldn't even imagine I, yeah i couldn't even imagine that description like, is awful yeah, i know like oh so at first joe is in total denial so he tries to stand up and then oh. felt all of the bones not oh. working in his leg and like pretty much had to go right back down. Mm-hmm. So Simon kind of comes over and he's like, are you all right? And he's just like, I broke my whole leg. <gasps> and he said that Simon's whole expression changed. Uh-oh. That it was because now, I mean, before this is very treacherous very scary right uh mountain they're on a glacier you know there's ice and snow everywhere it's you know life or death big time and now they were working as partners and now one cannot help at all right and needs to be reliant on the other one Mm. and so they're thinking oh my god we have to get him three thousand feet down with this leg that cannot work at all so I think what Joe thought Simon was thinking is like, this guy's dead. Yeah. You know, there's, I don't know how we're going to do this. So they start to head down. So at this point, Joe thinks he had lost probably about a quart of blood internally. <gasps> so he's bleeding all throughout. Inside. Oh inside. my gosh. And, but he was trying to go down as fast as Simon could lower him. So Simon is kind of letting him down on the rope. Mm -hmm. until the rope is taunt and Mm -hmm. then he kind of follows a little bit and then lowers him down a little bit more and follows and so they've just been carrying on inchworming yeah inchworming down this giant mountain and so in the middle of these two ropes is a big knot Mm -hmm. that is like keeping the two ropes together essentially what they would do is they would just sort of keep on pulling the ropes up until they got to that knot where they couldn't go any, and that's when they would sort of move forward a little bit, loosen the knot, the knot would go out, and then they'd pull it back until the knot came back. Does mm, that kind of make sense? Yeah. Maybe not. Sorry if it doesn't. So, <laughs> so they would, they had this whole system going that was all based around this kind of knot being let go and then being pulled back up. Okay. And being pulled back up. Anyway, so they're moving along, and it took them about an hour to go about 300 feet. And so, and again, they have 3,000 to go. So it's going pretty slowly. So they were thinking, shoot, we only have to do this, you know. 100 more times. Yeah, 10 times more what we just did, and then we'll be there. But what they didn't realize is that they were in line with an ice cliff that was sort of (gasps) hanging off the side. Oh, my God. 
So at 9.30 p.m., uh, Simon lowered him down a little bit further, and then he came to a stop, and he realized that he was just sort of free-floating in <gasps> air. Like, he had sort of just been lowered down this cliff. And he, they were trying to still, like, bring the knot, like, the rope back up with uh-huh. the knot, but what ended up happening is because he was lowered over that cliff, mm-hmm. he was not, uh, Simon was was not able to get that knot back up over the cliff face. Okay. And it's too heavy. He's too heavy because he's, you know. Now dangling. Joe okay. is now dangling at the bottom. He can't get him up. And so Joe hung there for about an hour. Really? And then all of a sudden, Joe was free falling. <gasps> so Simon had cut the line. Oh, my gosh. Really? And, yeah. In order to save himself, he could not get himself up. He wasn't. It just... It took, he couldn't, he, everything he could do, Whoa. he couldn't get him up, and so he cut the rope. That would be the hardest decision ever. Oh, could you even imagine? No. Ugh. That's, I don't know if I can make that, I mean, I guess it sounds like he's just been waiting for an hour thinking of, like, what he should do. No, and... I think he struggled over yeah. it and tried and tried and tried, and pretty much is his last choice. It's either both of them are going to die or one of them dies. Oh, my god! And so he made that choice. And I think that, I mean, I don't think it's a common choice that my own climbers, but I think that is something you have to take into account when you go climbing. And, yeah. You know, these Well, that's what extreme... happened in, uh, well, it's a movie, but uh, The Day After Tomorrow. Oh. The guy was, like, he cut himself off because he was dangling and they couldn't get him back up. So he's he just like, cut forget the rope. It. Yeah, yep. just let me go. Oh my gosh, this Ugh. is so sad. Yes. So Joe hits the ridge of the crevice uh-huh. and he goes through. So he, he, I guess there's sort of like this roof to this other bigger crevice. So he's. Okay, wait. Okay. So he's <laughs> hanging over a cliff. Yes. And then. He, he gets, gets cut, cut and then there's sort of this frozen over layer to okay. this new crevice okay. that is even deeper. Okay. And so he falls, he punches through the roof oh, okay. of this like frozen over. Yes, yes, yes. And then ends up landing on kind of a ledge that goes over that if he had kept going or if he had landed wrong, he would have just kept on falling. Oh, wow. Like it, because it's even deeper. Right. And so he saw it when he, like, after he landed, he looked back up, and the hole where he had just fallen through was 70 feet above him. Whoa. So he fell significantly far. I mean. But still alive. He's still alive. And he was just like, Simon's gone, you know. And instead of being angry, what he realized is he was sort of relieved because at least somebody is out there that knows he's injured on the mountain. Okay. You know, at least somebody is alive that can, you know, maybe mount a rescue for him. Okay, okay. Interesting. I wouldn't think that. I wouldn't think that he just, like, thought I died after I fell off this ledge that he cut me off of. Well, he does kind of come to that realization later. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) That is exactly correct. So once he landed, he tried to pull the rope again and was able to, like, dislodge where the rope had been caught and the rope just comes right down on top of him. So his first thought is that Simon is going to probably try to come down and find him. But it's nighttime and it's super dark. And so he's like, shit, he's not going to be able to see me in the dark. 
So he starts calling out Simon's name like once every five minutes to kind of be a beacon for him to be found. Okay. Oh, this poor guy. I know. Ugh. So he said that where this, he says, crevasses can be a very scary place to be in. I, and I would like to say no shit. Yeah. And then he said the thought started creeping in that he's not getting out. And that's when, like, sort of the panic started Aww. to really come in. Yeah. And he said he's ashamed now, but he totally broke down, which <laughs> I would have been broke down way before. Like, long time ago. And he realized about by 9.30 in the morning, about 12 hours from when this whole thing started, yeah. uh, that Simon should have found him by this point. Oh and he still thinks his friend is out searching for him. Well, he, at this point, he's realizing, it's not the no, case. Simon is probably not coming because he would have come by now. Right. So he tried to climb up and he couldn't do it. And when he looked down, all he could see was darkness. Okay. It was the separation between a glacier and a mountain base. And so those can be 50 feet long or deep, or they can be 500 feet deep. It's like oh. super hard to tell. And so he didn't have the courage to just jump off his ledge to just go Absolutely to the bottom. Absolutely not. Yeah, no. I get that. So he was, he was like, maybe I'll try to climb down. So he sort of clips his stuff into the wall. He's got his rope. And then he's like, if I go down there and I'm just hanging in space, why on earth would I want to climb back up and I'll just spend six days dying here right like, okay free, yeah you know just in space like hanging on the yeah, end of this can't rope go up, so might as well go down yeah and so what he decided that if he was gonna die he was gonna die in the sunlight yeah oh. <laughs> so i guess uh this sort of the towards the one of the sides of the crevice okay there had been an avalanche and so there was a bunch of snow that had accumulated in this one part okay and so that's what he decides he's gonna go towards he's gonna try to make it towards this unconsolidated snow i'm not sure what that is but if he's going down he won't be in the sunlight well he's 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 sort of is thinking this is going to be his way out oh okay okay so because it's right at the base of kind of the the v of the crevice is my understanding. Okay. And so there's a little bit of snow. So he's thinking he can get over that snow oh. and then maybe be out in the fresh air. I see, I see. And I'm not sure what unconsolidated snow is, yeah. but I'm assuming it's probably fairly light and fluffy. Loose, yeah, probably, <laughs> loose yeah. snow. Mm -hmm. And so he was able to actually get to it with these hopping jumps. I'm not even fully sure. That's what it says. Yeah, okay. Joe, I apologize if I'm completely screwing up your story. <laughs> but he just, he wasn't even thinking about surviving at that point. He was just thinking about getting out into the sunlight. Oh, and my so, gosh. So he could die. Oh, oh my God. So at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, uh -huh. he was actually able to drag himself out of this crevasse uh -huh. and see... The sunlight, and he ended up giggling maniacally after he was like so excited that he had managed to make it out into the sun. Oh my gosh! So he had he saw where Simon's rope was uh -huh. and where it had been left off, you know, where it had been cut, and it looks like he had continued down the glacier. Mm. Like he could see the evidence yeah. of with a bunch of words I don't know. <laughs> um, so he could tell. And that's when he knew you are for sure. He's on his own. Yeah. Like, 
um, you they don't do rescue operations for corpses. Right. And so, and that's what Simon most likely thinks that he is. So he's realizing he's got to make it to base camp. And base camp is a mile and a half down the mountain still. Wow. A mile and a half. Yes. Plus another six and a half miles. So it's a mile and a half of on the glacier and then six and a half miles of mounds of debris left by the glacier in rocks. So it's rocky. Right, right, right. Okay. Not snowy, but rocky. Yeah. Rocky terrain. And he's realizing when you're trying to survive, the last thing you need is emotion. It's just a waste of energy. So Hmm. he just became very pragmatic about, I just need to, he doesn't have any food. He can look at the state of his body. And his conclusion was like, you're not going to make it. Yeah. How can you even stand? I can't even imagine. He can't. He can't stand. But he said, if you die here, you'll be buried in the snow and you'll disappear forever. No one will ever know what happened to you. Except for, you know, he fell into this terrible crevasse. So what he said, when you're alone for a long time, with no conversations, nothing to read or see, your mind drifts. And he would think that he had rested for five minutes, and then he would look down at his watch and realize it had been 45 minutes. So he started making smaller goals for himself. Okay. So he would see sort of this, another crevasse up ahead, and he'd be like, I'm going to get there in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, I can survive for 20 minutes. And then he would see a rock up ahead. And he'd be like, it'll take me 20 minutes to get there. And so he would just focus on getting to that. So that's sort of how he slowly started making his way down the mountain again. It created structure and discipline for him. And sometimes he would beat his target. Like he'd give himself 20 minutes and he'd get there in 18 Mm -hmm. or something. If he did not make it to his goal within the set amount of time, he would get completely pissed off. (laughs) And kind of... He'd lose it a little bit. But what it kept him from doing is thinking about the you're completely fucked side of his situation. Oh, okay. So on the last night, now it's been, I think, around three days. Yeah. So he's just been slowly making his way. He, re- he realized that he was starting to fail. That he was going in and out of consciousness. He was probably at this point maybe a 10-minute walk away from base camp. But it took him nine hours to get, to get ten minutes to get that ten minute walk. Oh my god! Again, he was in and out of consciousness. He was experiencing hallucinations, some enjoyable, some weird. Oh. He stopped looking at his watch, and then he, and because he stopped looking at his watch, he sort of lost all sense of purpose because he stopped having those small goals for himself. He knew he was dying, um, so he started shouting. And he was shouting for Simon. He was shouting for Richard, who was their camp assistant, just hoping someone would hear him. Yeah. And I guess they did hear him, <gasps> but they thought it was a dog. What? And so... A dog? They didn't, like... It didn't occur to him that... Or he could it, still be alive. Yeah, that it was it was Joe, because it's been four days, I guess, at this point. Four days? Yeah. And... They just figured, you know, they had counted him for dead like a long time ago. So Joe has been calling out and no one's coming. And he realizes, you know, and he is that close to base camp, you know, someone should have come at this point. And so that sort of realization is completely crushing to him. He's like, well. The fact that they could hear it. (laughs) 
know. He realized, he's like, you're not getting out of this. And so there was, I guess, kind of a river, like pretty close to the base camp. And so he thought if he crawled down to the riverbed, someone would definitely find his body. And so they would know what happened to him. And he wasn't really expecting to meet anybody there, but he was just, it was his plan. resting place. Yeah. It was going to be his final resting place. He was, it was his end game. He was going to die there. And what ended up happening is he inadvertently crawled through the campsite's latrine. And so. Ew. Yeah. No, super (laughs) ew. He got completely covered. He said it smelled. He said human shit really does stink. But it acted sort of like smelling salts. For him and woke him up and and then all of a sudden he realized oh my god i'm like right here the base camp is here i'm like practically saved what am i doing going to die by the river so what he didn't really realize is that simon would probably also need to recover and be hanging out at the campsite still Mm. and he saw what was a red and yellow dome-like thing that he thought was a spaceship (laughs) at the time oh no um and then he saw these white beams come out, and then he heard Simon's voice. <gasps> and then Simon and Richard suddenly appeared, and he just collapsed. And, oh. he was just, and at that point, he had lost uh, 35% of his body weight. Whoa. And I In guess... In four days? Yeah. Holy and cow. of course, he went into uh, ketosis oh. when you're at that level of starvation. What is happening is the chemicals created by your liver are breaking down the proteins in your muscles and organs, and your breath starts to smell sweet, like nail varnish, I guess. Hmm. I guess back in the day, they used to smell pretty sweet. So oh. it was like a chemically sweet smell. Interesting. And so Simon got sort of a whiff of his breath and knew that he was in trouble. Right. There, he was in ketoacidosis or i.e. he was dying oh my gosh Um, he needed salt and sugar in a big way he needed a drip but they didn't have any tubes or needles and i guess there there is a simple way to solve this so if you're ever in a survival situation you can fill a bottle with sugar and salt water and stick it right up your bum oh And, and yeah and that will help get you uh get you hydrated Wow. Yeah. So. I mean, thank you. you. Yes. Actually, I did read that a long time ago, especially if you were in an area that doesn't have any clean drinking water and you're on the verge of, you know, dying, you can, you can stick dirty water in your A and it will help keep you hydrated. That's interesting. So, but they didn't know that at the time. So they, he was barely conscious and they rode a mule for two days and they spent 23 hours in a pickup truck. And he was getting super pissed because all he wanted to do was sleep. But Simon was so worried about him and wanted to get him into medical yeah. help that he just sort of kept him awake the whole time. Good, smart. And it's just like at this point, it, the mule, I guess, just kept walking into things. And he's just <laughs> like, when the fuck is this going to end? Like, this is my living nightmare. Yeah. And so 11 days after he broke his leg, he got to the hospital. 11, 11 days. days. Holy cow. Um, he ended up recovering, of course, after a while. And he ended up writing a book called Touching the Void. About It took him like seven weeks to write it. 
after his experience. That's fast. Yeah, he he had, yeah, yeah he, he had <laughs> it on his mind. And what he said in it is the reason he likes mountaineer mountaineering is not because it's dangerous or scary, but because there's a price to pay if you screw up. It's about mastering skill, and now he's a skilled speaker because he's been talking public about speaking. his public speaking mm-hmm. about his experience. It's what really changed his life was not the shit time he had in in Peru. It was about all the sort of life lessons he learned after that mm. and who he became after that. And he's like, but if I if this hadn't happened, he probably wouldn't be financially secure. And now he is because he's been doing all these like tours and inspirational wow. speaking. Okay. Uh, he says he should have greater insight, but that's the truth. Is yeah. what he so after all that, now he's a public speaker. He's not angry with Simon. He's angry with mm. Simon for not having cut the rope sooner. Oh, really? Like, he shouldn't have let him spend all that energy, you know, trying to get him up for an hour. He should have cut him off sooner and made his way back to camp. Oh. But. Uh, that's, such a, that's such a moral dilemma right uh, there, man. I know. I would have struggled. Right? Yeah. Actually, I, we'd be up there. I'm like, sorry, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck All on right. that garbage can in, yeah. the, in the parking lot. <laughs> Bye, bitch. I gotta cut you loose. <laughs> no. Aww. Oh my god. That's so like how much pain. Like your leg is shattered. Your shattered. whole leg is shattered. You're bleeding from the inside. I could. Oh. You have no food or drink for four days while yeah. you're trying to get down climb this down a mountain. So you went through a crevasse. Went through like, another crevasse. Oh, no, you got... So, down, Down the over, cliff, yes. Down, over, up, or... No, continued down. Continued down. I guess down. up a little bit as he made his way out of the crevasse, and then down. I see. So, instead of... Okay, like, Simon would go over the crevasse and continue down. He went down the crevasse and then kind of angled down. Yes. And out. Okay, yeah. I get it now. I yeah. see. I was very confused. I, was I like, know, I'm sorry. Down and out? I was like, <laughs> what are you mm-hmm. doing? <laughs> No, and no, then there's snow. What is this? What is this BS? <laughs> That's lucky because oh. usually they just go down and down and down. Yeah. And... Well, and he could have very easily. Yeah. I mean, he just sort of happened to land on a little ledge mm. if he had, or rolled over a little bit too much. Oh my God. Ah, that's awful. See, I'm not a a mountain climber. So oh my God. It's... Could you imagine me on a mountain? No. No, none of us can. <laughs> No, it's just, I don't have that thrill-seeking inside me to... No. Like, Mount Everest, like, I'm not interested. I mean, people get stuck on Mount Hood. Right. A lot. Yeah. And, I mean, I think a fair amount of people are lost to Mount Hood forever. I mean, if you're passing dead bodies on your way up to the top, I feel like you shouldn't be there. (laughs) That's words from the wise. Yes, thank you. my God. That's what we'll have to call your drink, like my uh, Ashley. Sort of... When I give her advice, she calls it the wise whisper. Oh, <laughs> so, so I'm like, that's my book called. So you, I'm patenting it. You can't take it. Well, now we need to come up with a drink called a wise whisper. That'd be great. So if you have drink suggestions on yeah. what, what we should pop be? into the wise whisper, the wise whisper, or it should be the wise whisper. Hmm. That's more. Maybe the wise whisper. But it's a person. I'm just 
Like, I'm giving wise whispers. So it's like a wise whisper. Yeah, not a wise whisperer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. It's time to wrap up, I think. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no more well, shots for Michelle, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. Well, those are very completely different, but really good stories. Indeed. Very interesting. All rope related. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it should be called Rope Strong. There we go. <laughs> That's the title. That Boom. Is... Got it. Oh, hashtag Rope Strong. That's right. Oh, my God. That was my favorite part of that one episode. Episode three. Episode three. Because Kayla knows best. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Okay, okay bye. Bye. <laughs>